Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we are going to be looking at two essential skills to work on to better manage fear and anxiety. Now, you are listening and tuning into Fear Less, which is all about helping you learn how to work with fear in new ways. In our last lesson, we looked at reacting versus responding to fear. And I shared an analogy about the snow globe. This is one way I love to picture it, where fear can literally cause all, turn up all of these thoughts and emotions within us that prevents us from seeing a situation clearly until there's some time and space where we can have that settle and we can see things from a more clear perspective. Now, today I have my co-pilot, Andrea Wells, with me here for our Fearless Adventure. So welcome to the show, Andrea. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yes, it's been so fun to both be navigating this, looking at our own fears, how we're helping all you lovely listeners with your fears. And I'm just feeling just so much love for all of you guys today. And I, I mean, I'm, I, the love's always there, but it's just, I just want to say that I know that this is such a hard topic to be looking at, like your deepest fears and what what's on the other side of them is what we're looking at is that hope that you can get when you can face your fears. So yeah, Andrew, how's it been? We've recorded three episodes already. So have you been looking at your fears from a new light or any kind of things that have come up for you? Yeah. Um, well, I've touched on my fear of, you know, being in a larger body as a host. And I think there's always, and I think we touch on this because this is an old lesson we're bringing up. I listened to it earlier, but I think if we don't touch it on this one, it's another one coming up. That the fact that most things you fear, like I'm fearing everyone freaking out and stop no longer listening to the podcast because, oh my God, the host isn't skinny or something like that. That's my big fear. I recognize that's irrational. Um, but I mean, it's not so irrational because we do live in a world where people are fat phobic. That's a thing. The thing is, with so many of our fears, and there's like research and science behind this, it shows that what you fear most of the time doesn't actually happen. If it does happen, the chance of that is low. If it does happen, it's different from how you thought it would be and you handle it better than how you thought it would be. So I guess I'm kind of in, I'm relating to that right now and I'm doing this. I was scared to do it, but I'm here. I'm actually really enjoying it so far. I feel proud of this. It's always empowering when you can feel the fear and do it anyway. And I'm definitely doing that in this role here. And that's something that I've I practiced with with many things <laughs> over years with recovery from multiple mental illnesses. And this is another place to practice that. And I'm really just trying to lean into the fun of it. And yeah, the fear is there. I'm acknowledging it. I'm not avoiding it. I'm not hiding from it. It's there. And I'm taking it along with me and I'm doing it anyway. 
Well, you're doing great. And I'm so proud of you for that. Like, because it, it, it's a dance with fear. I, I really feel like it's when we try to avoid it entirely, then we're just like out of it. We're not even dancing at all. So we're not, we're not participating in our life in the way that we could. So here you are using your God-gifted talents of communication and radio broadcast, something that's been a passion of yours since you went to school for it, right? You went to like, or you went to university for this. Like, obviously this is what you want to do with your life. And to let your body hold you back is doing such a disservice to your soul. Yeah. Now, I'm fortunate to be many years in recovery and I've had opportunities to show myself, no, I don't need to wait to have a smaller body or look a certain way to live my dreams, achieve my goals. So I'm grateful to have had some experience with that. And this is just another one in the line of that. So it does get easier. It was, uh, It's still scary, though, but it's it's manageable. It's so helpful, too, when you can retrospectively look at other time periods in your life or like instances where fear was there, but you acted otherwise and it turned out okay. Like For all you listeners, I, we really are encouraging you to think about a fear that's active for you right now because we want to work on that active fear. But at the same time, use that retrospective recall to be like, oh my gosh, I used to be so afraid of that. And like, it's, it's nothing, right? It's like the little kid with the shadow and you're like, oh my God, there's a monster under my bed. And it's like, no, honey, there's not a monster under your bed. Uh, so yeah. And yes, the body is the first thing that we see visually, right? That's the first thing people may comment on if they haven't seen you for a while, which can lead to a lot of fear. Uh, Andrea has even mentioned that you were looking at me uh, for a while, like when you were a listener of this show, of the Recovery Warrior show, prior to becoming the Recovery Warrior shows, before we became an actual podcast channel with multiple shows, you this is an inherent part of our nature, right? To observe somebody and make a judgment. And so we were comparing so many different levels. And anything that we can really put our eyes onto and label, we will try to, to use that as a measurement, right? And so it's just becoming aware that that's part of the human nature, and also not letting that stop you. Because I'll say, like, I'll own this. I haven't, I don't think I've ever really voiced this publicly, but I've been very shy to come out myself and be visible because I'm not in a bigger body, Andrea. I'm not, uh, I'm not diverse. I'm a blonde haired, blue eyed girl with a pretty average body. If you were to look at my insides, they're not average. I have a lot of scars, right? Like, so that's created a whole nother idea of like who I am as a person. Like my inside world is much different than my outside world. But I think it's just like no matter what way angle you look at it, we're all just like, I'm not unique enough to be doing this. Like, and especially in the world is like, who wants to see another, you know, thin, white, blonde haired, blue eyed girl talking about recovery? And <laughs> you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, I really appreciate you saying that. Like, you're blowing my mind. I never even considered that you felt that way because, as you said, you've never shared that before. And I'm like, I get it because there's so much discourse around, like, oh, we need more voices. There's too many thin white girls <laughs> talking about eating disorders. The research shows that they make up a small portion of people who experience eating disorders. And I recognize that logically. And all, all stories are valid. All people, no matter what you look like or your body size, it's all valid. And I think that's the crux of this here is whether I'm feeling like, oh my God, I'm too big to be a host. or you're like, I'm not big enough to be a host or something like that. It's really coming at it from both sides. And also I wanted to um, clarify with you when I told you the other day, I was telling her when we were off the show that when I was 
looking for podcasts and I found the Recovery Warrior shows many years ago when I was in recovery, I was like, I scoped you out. Like I I body checked you. I wanted to see what you looked like. And I wanted to clarify that because I keep looking back at that and I cringe and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that to her. I hope that didn't make her uncomfortable. But I just wanted to specify that at that time, I was coming from a place where I was hoping that eating disorder recovery would make me lose weight. (laughs) And so I wanted to hear or see people in recovery who were in a smaller body to give me hope that that's what I'm going to get to. And that's obviously very disordered. You cannot strive for weight loss in recovery, no matter what size you are. It's counterintuitive. But that's where I was at that time. I'm, I'm past that now. But at that time, I was like, okay, if I saw a host or an influencer or someone publicly speaking up about eating disorders, if they were in a larger body, I was afraid of that. Because I was like, I don't want to be recovered and be in a larger body. I am now. And hey, it's uh, it's good. I'm great. There's nothing wrong with it. But at the time, I was still in my disorder. I was still in the progress of recovery. So that's what I was looking for. I was like, it was misguided. But I wanted to clarify that to you. And also, that kind of speaks more into why I have this fear, because I'm projecting where I was when I was a listener of the podcast and fearing that that, that might happen to me now on the other end. Fears are often projections, right? Yeah. Your appearance really does not define your experience with an eating disorder. There's a big misconception that they're closely tied together, but your appearance doesn't define it. Your body size does not define the validity. Your body size does not make your eating disorder experience any more or less valid. Exactly. And it's so like... It's, you know, when we look at it, we, we, we do want to attach this idea of projection. We want to attach onto somebody to kind of help us understand where we're at. But when you can start to bring your energy inward as into your own self, your own journey, it doesn't matter the, the appearance of anybody else around you. It's what your body's going to do. It's, it's between you and your body. And it's between the you and the relationship in your body and how you start to treat it. It's between you and your body trust. It's between you and the decisions you make to regularly feed and nourish yourself, right? So any of this other thing, when we start looking outside of ourselves to see what it should like, what it should look like, is when we start to lose sight of our true self. Well, that's even looking at somebody. You know, my my fear is I'm uh, I'm a spinster. You know, <laughs> like I'm what's traditionally called a spinster, a unmarried woman at a at a above married, commonly at an age commonly uh, being wed by. Right, so I can look at other women that age, start compare, and look at think no. But if I do that, it takes me out of myself, and it takes me out of like my journey and my timeline, and in this case, your body size, what you're naturally meant to be. Now, so many people can struggle with this idea of weight gain. Like, I don't know how much weight I'm going to be on the other side of recovery. If I have to start eating more regularly, or if I take away these behaviors, what's going to happen? And that's that's a fear. And if that's one of your fears, this is the one you're going to tackle in fear less. But just know that looking at my body size or Andrea's body size isn't going to solve your fear. It's not going to make it any different. It's it's not going to change the work that you need to do inside your own self to be liberated from these confines of a fear. And I just want to, I'm going to probably say this almost every episode because I think it's so important to understand when, how we experience fear. So fear is just an unwanted future that we think is going to happen. And the degree that we don't want it to happen and we think it will happen, the more emotion we feel. So if you can really take that in and understand that it's the resistance to this thing happening that causes 
the most amount of distress and discomfort within us. So when you can embrace and accept where you're at, it changes everything. Everything changes. And you don't know what's on the other side of that. And that's what we're going to dive into on this episode is not understanding what's on the other side of that. And that's what we call anxiety because it's a future-oriented fear. We're afraid of what's going to happen in the future. So let's get into this lesson. In our lesson today, we will be exploring two essential skills to work on to better manage fear by way of managing anxiety. Now, fear and anxiety are closely related. Leading anxiety researcher Dr. David Barlow from Boston University refers to anxiety as a more elaborate form of fear. Now, I like that way of looking at it. Anxiety is a more elaborate form of fear. The threats we face now in a modernized, globalized world have changed so freaking much since our earliest ancestors. We have completely different stressors and concerns. Think about your lifestyle now and then think about one of your early ancestors' lifestyle. They were freaking out about how do we preserve this carcass? How do we sustain a fire at night so we don't freeze? We have completely different sets of problems now. Our lives have become increasingly more complex and so have our problems. And this is why anxiety is a more elaborate form of fear. The intention of this lesson is to help you learn how you can manage your anxiety better. And there are two essential skills that make a big difference in how you manage anxiety. The first skill is the ability to manage uncertainty. So this means being able to tolerate not knowing. And the second skill is the ability to manage discomfort. This means being able to tolerate feelings. So the important skills here are managing uncertainty and managing discomfort. And there's also techniques that you can call upon to help, such as mindfulness and journaling and talk therapy. When we think about anxiety, anxiety has two demands. It's asking or wanting to know what's going to happen and I want to feel comfortable. It wants certainty and comfort. Can you think of a situation in your life where you are holding yourself back because you want to, one, know exactly what's going to happen or two, you want to feel comfortable? For example, someone could say, I'll stop obsessing over food portions and the ingredients in my food only if I know how my body's going to respond and how other people are going to respond to my body changing. Or I'll open my heart and get into a relationship only if I know that they will not leave me. Or I'll start my own business where I get to be a coach and help others only if I will have the same paycheck as my current job. Anxiety comes up when we have uncertainty and when we don't know what's going to happen. Essentially, we do not feel 100% equipped to handle something. We don't know with 100% confidence that it's going to work out. So, oof, feel a little bit uncertain and not comfortable about not knowing how this is going to fully work out. And what happens is this 
saying, I can't tolerate this. This is, this is too much. I can't tolerate this discomfort. And you know what works like a charm is avoidance. Anxiety is heavily linked to avoidance. So you can avoid changing your relationship to food because of the uncertainty and the discomfort, even though it's causing problems in your life. Or you can avoid getting into relationships even though you feel a deep, painful longing for connection. Or you can avoid taking a risk and pursuing a meaningful career path, even though it's calling your name like a loud siren from within your soul. So avoidance works. It alleviates discomfort. It is a rational and effective way to deal with fear. But... A big disclaimer is the payoffs of avoidance are devastating, soul-sucking. Choosing avoidance means spending a life on the sidelines. And when you spend a life on the sidelines, you do not get the rewards that come from playing the game. Because the reality is each and every one of us have our own unique programmed amount of time that we come into this life. So just like a game has a certain set amount of time to play, we also have a set amount of time to play in the game of life. In order to play the game to its fullest, we have to learn how to tolerate not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Do you think a professional basketball or soccer or volleyball or football player know how the game is going to end before they start? No! No, they don't. There's no way to know. They have to step on the court or the field. You have to step onto the court or the field and give it all you got and trust that you can handle the situations as they arise. Start to step into the things that make you the most uncomfortable and get practiced in tolerating not knowing. Because most of the fears we have don't even happen. And one thing that can be helpful to pump you up to get into the game is to acknowledge how fear and anxiety are getting in your way. They are the opposing force. They are what keeping you on the sidelines playing small. So ask yourself, what do I want? What do I truly want? What's interesting to me? You know, what legit gets me excited? Like, what am I passionate about? How does my fear, worry, anxiety come up with some sort of demand for certainty that doesn't allow me to move forward? Use these questions as fuel. Let yourself feel the actual pain of how these emotional states hold you back. And then get your pretty ass into the game and feel the fear and do it anyway. As long as you have a pulse and a beating heart, it is never too late to get in the game and play. The greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another moment of our precious life holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears and recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. 
Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.